Welcome to Right Now Workshop Podcast, where you can write a book and change the world. I'm your host, Kitty Buholtz, and this is episode 98, Self-Editing with Style, an interview with Tisha Martin, coming to you on Thursday, September 13th, 2018. Well, as much as I can, when you ask for, I want more of this or that, I'm trying to give it to you. And I know that there are several people who wanted more interviews with editors. So today's interview, I think, will help you a lot because it's uh, editing that you can do. Uh, so self-editing with style. <laughs> Tisha works in the theater as well. And so uh, as an editor, she has a lot of great examples that kind of go back and forth and remind us of the feeling that words have, Let, uh, you know, in addition to or in spite of the actual words on the page, like to remember the feeling that the words all together give the reader. <laughs> so I think you're really going to like today's episode. It'll be lots of fun. Um, a couple of things happening in my life that might give you reminders of things that you could do in yours. So um, I was talking with one of my friends and she and I, um, my friend Elena, she and I are going to try writing a Hallmark Christmas story and have it ready for the open submission period in February 2019 for Hallmark Publishing. Yay. And so um, we were talking about like, what do we want to do and how do we want to do it? And, you know, nobody, not very many people have written for, for Hallmark yet. So it's like, okay, so how exactly are we going to approach this so that we can try to give them a story that's pretty much the kind of story that they want? And so, of course, watching Hallmark Christmas movies, <laughs> poor us, oh, that sounds so hard. <laughs> but the other thing is, is that we decided to do a brainstorming session, which we're actually going to do later today as I am recording this. Um, so I'm super excited. And to get ready for the brainstorming session so that we can help each other better, we decided that we would send each other at least a paragraph about a part as much as we could of the idea that we had, whatever it was, even if it was just a line or two. And I actually did write, a, I think, um, two paragraphs. So the idea went from this fluffy cloud in my head to actual words on a page. Yay. So that's something that you could do if you have the fluffy cloud of the story in your head uh, is get somebody to say, okay, tomorrow we're going to talk about my story. Therefore, today we need to write down, you know, exactly what is in my head as best we can. And as I was writing, I actually thought of more ideas. I was like, oh, right. Oh, that. So remember, that happens when you're physically writing. So if you've got the fluffy idea for the story in your head and you're like, I need to get it down, but I don't really know what I'm trying to say yet. The fact of writing, the act of writing will actually help you. So if you've forgotten that that Oh, yeah, that always happens. <laughs> I just encourage you to uh, give that another shot again today. And also the idea of um, getting together with another writer, whether it's on a video call the way that I have to do or in person and actually talking about and brainstorming ideas with each other. That is always a good way to jumpstart lots of ideas. So I thought that I would throw that out there in case you're thinking, I've got this idea, but um, because sometimes we all forget oh yeah, you know what, I need to actually just sit down and write what I know and then see what else happens. And then, for instance, I wrote twice as much as what I thought. I wrote two paragraphs instead of one, so yay. Anyway, a little bit of encouragement for something that you might try with uh, you and your writing buddies. In the meantime, let's talk to Tisha and learn more about how we can self-edit with style. 
Today's guest is Tisha Martin. Tisha can't say no to either writing or editing, so she compromised. She's an editor by day and a writer by night and lives on coffee and goldfish as she helps writers create compelling stories that readers will remember long after closing the back cover. She loves collecting vintage hats, training horses, and the theater. Welcome, Tisha. Hi, Kitty. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, it's great to have you on. Everybody wants to know, when can you have on more editors? We want more advice. <laughs> yes. They are, I think editors, editors really are your best friend. It's so true. But I think there is one thing that we should be clear on, particularly for anybody who's listening not in the United States. You do not eat live little fish named goldfish. <laughs> no, I don't. It's those goldfish crackers. It's the like, little you know, cheese crackers. Like snack, right. It's those cheese crackers. <laughs> Yep. Good, good. Then we don't have to I don't be eat afraid. Real life fish. So, <laughs> yeah, good. I don't eat real live fish. I think I would probably gag. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At least not live little ones. And no. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. <laughs> that's for like, that's for people who enjoy like fish. <laughs> right. Yes. I am not a sushi girl myself. <laughs> nope. Oh. Well, listen, we are excited to hear everything bit of advice that you can come up with having to do with how we can help ourselves to make better books. And so um, you are talking to us about self-editing, adding theatrical style to your story. And I see that you're very interested in the theater. So tell us a little bit about um, how you came up with this idea for novelists, and then let's just start working them through it. Yeah. When I worked backstage theater for about six years, when I was in college and grad school, and I absolutely loved the stage and I was working on my writing degrees at the time and I was think you know the actors and actresses they were so dramatic and when I first started out I thought well, these people are over the top what is their problem and I started you know once I got to know them and I realized that they had to be over dramatic because when you are an audience looking at that huge stage and it's very deep you have to be over you know you have to be very dramatic in your voice your expressions and your actions because if you do it small it's going to appear really puny to the audience um, so in editing um, we can use a lot of those type of qualities that actors use into our writing to really pump up our writing and to um, create larger-than-life characters um, that readers are really going to connect with. Excellent. Well, I totally understand. I've only done uh, stage work in high school. I would have loved to have done more of it. But I, I know what you mean about like the things that you're doing when you're goofing off in class it has this effect. But if you only do it that much, which seems way too much to the English teacher who's like, will you just settle down and listen? But when you're on the stage, the same English teacher is telling you, all right, you got to do it bigger, bigger actions. And you're like, oh, Okay. <laughs> so tell yeah, us, how putting, does that, go ahead. Oh, and putting those two together, sometimes, you know, creating that balance too is sometimes hard. Um, yeah. So. And so how, uh, how exactly are you teaching novelists to use this kind of trick in their writing? 
Um, well, first of all, uh, character is the lar the one of the largest parts outside of your plot. Your character is the most important. Um, so you would create dynamic character arcs that would convey your story's entire purpose and message um, or your theme or whatever. So um, to really dig into each character and see what they are truly made of, um, what they like, what they don't like, how they react and respond to things is really important to re propel your story forward um, or not. I mean, you can use a, a negative reaction to propel your story forward or to create some character dynamic based on how, you know, you want your character to end up what their decision is going to be at the very end. And, and, and this is the sort of thing that I imagine uh, by example, it's easy to say, for example, in this movie, you can see that this character goes from not believing in love to finding true love or um, thinking that their life is just fine to finding that they're in the middle of a magical world that they didn't believe existed a minute ago. And now they've saved that world by the end of the movie or something like that. Right, right. Well, I'm, I was thinking like, you know, everybody knows probably the movie Casablanca where um, Rick, he is this, you know, hired person. And then I can't remember the, the leading lady, Ingrid, Ber Ingrid. Um, yeah, Bergman. Elsa. Elsa. Yes, that's right. I think her name's Elsa. Something yeah. like that. <laughs> um, she, yeah, something like that. She, um, she kind of softens him up throughout the movie, but you see those different um, character, his, his character reactions to her. But that's the point um, you're trying to make is that he turned mm -hmm. from a really hard guy to a guy who is willing to put other people in front of him, in front of his right. own wants. Yes, yes, that's, that's exactly. So you see that, you see that really dynamic character arc where, you, you know, he changed in the end. And there are some, I mean, I can't think of any clear examples, but there are some books that have characters who don't change. And that has more of a dramatic effect um, because it leaves the reader thinking, oh, I should, you know, I wish this character would have made a good decision because um, then it leaves you to thinking, you know, how can we, you know, how can we make the good, make the right decisions based on, you know, what we've, what we've seen in our own lives and what comes, you know, what comes at us, how can we respond? Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. So, and discovering like how each character also using those sub characters, the secondary characters, and how they can help each other, you know, pull each other along through the story. Um, the secondary characters, we, we sometimes give them, you know, a really small part, but they can act as mentors for the main character, or they can be, you know, the, the antagonist, you know, saying, hey, come on, let's go, let, you know, come on, you've got a decision to make, you keep them on the ball. Um, those can really bring color to your story. Um, so overall, you know, using just the dynamic characterization and making sure that you know your characters inside and out. And that, that's a lot of work, but it really um, has a lot of benefit to it in the yeah. end by creating a really compelling read for, the, for your readers. Yeah. And again, I, I tend to use movies, for examples, um, only because there's a good chance that people have seen at least some of the things that, 
they, you know, you can bring up an, an example and also they only take, uh, you know, two hours to get through instead of a book for me usually takes, right. you know, at least a few days, maybe a couple of weeks, depending yeah. on how much time I have. But right, one of right. the things, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just saying you were saying movies. I've been watching a British mystery series and the characterization through that series has been phenomenal. It's true to life. Um, the, their expressions are just so accurate to what the character is feeling. And I, I'm, I'm like hooked, you know, and I don't, I, I don't um, have a lot of time to devote to movie watching, but I'll watch this series because I love the characters. The, they have done an excellent job with building the characters along with a great, um, a great scenes to really pull us, you know, to pull me along. So right. um, if we can do that in our books, then, you know, we'll, we'll never work a day in our lives. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't suppose you remember the name of that series, do you? Um, it's called Endeavor. Endeavor. And it's a British it show? Yes, it's okay. a British mystery show. All right. Yeah, it came out, I think it came out last year. So there's a lot of people like talking about it. So you'd be able to find it online. Excellent. All right. Good, good. Yeah, I have to say that um, there's a few things that come to mind whenever I'm thinking about characters when it comes to TV shows or movies or whatever. Um, the movie Calendar Girls, which is also based on a, on a British true story. Oh. I am amazed at how every single character is completely different from the other one. Like you'd never think, oh, those are kind of the same character. They're all totally different. That yes, and create yes, and that's creating rich characters for each for each um, movie because you don't want the same characters throughout each of the books that you write because then you're either okay. Readers two two ways readers can think, oh goodness, you know this author's created characters who are just like the last book. Why do I need to keep reading? Um, right. Either you know they. Either they'll keep reading because they like that style or the author has created a compelling plot to go along with the same character that they have, you know, used in the last book. Yeah. Or they just don't read it all because they want fresh. They want something new. And um, that's where, you know, really digging into each character and giving them life in each book that you write is, is going to help you as the author and then give something new to your readers they're gonna always come back and say what what you know what do you have next you know do you have something what are you working on next we really want that book out you know they just they don't, they don't want to wait a whole year right right yeah because there's there's um and it's probably similar readers and publishers both like give me the same thing that made me as happy as the last time that you wrote a book that i loved but also make it different <laughs> yes Yes, I've always, as, as an editor and a writer, I have always been stumped by that phrase. Give me the same thing, but make it different. And I'm like, how? <laughs> yeah. Totally messes my mind there. I'm not sure what to think. Um, so then you just, you know, you spend weeks just thinking, oh gosh, how can I, oh, this, this doesn't make sense. How can I do this? <laughs> yeah. um, you know, and then the more you think about it, you know, the more you pre-write and you know, just write whatever is in your head. Um, 
it does start to come, it does start to make sense. And if you collaborate with people, um, your friends, um, you know, something new does come. Right, 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 exactly. Yeah, mm -hmm. because in, in the end, if somebody loves, say, for instance, somebody loves my books and they mm -hmm. want more of the same but different, well, then I know they want, they want the humor, um, depending on which of my series they, they like, which one they're talking about, um, they want it to be sweet or, you know, however that series is that they like. I have a sweet series and a, not as much, like there's a few curse words and um, a little bit more than kissing, but still no sex. Or I have uh, one book that's sex between the married couple, but I tried to make it funny and not um, descriptive, <laughs> you know? Okay. So there are certain things yeah. that I do that when a reader says, oh, I really want, you know, more of the same, mm -hmm. then I'm like, okay, so probably this, this, and this. And, and I think sometimes it's just a matter of finding, yeah. Yeah, you have to find exactly what the reader truly liked. So, and that's where, um, you know, questionnaires come out. Okay, what did you like about this book? And be as descriptive as possible in your survey. You know, you ask them to be as descriptive as possible, so then you have to ask the right questions. Yeah, um, yeah. And I think a lot of times, like for me as a reader, um, I, I look for those dynamic characters because I read to fall in love with characters. Um, and I read for, too. you know, I read for story, but those characters are just, it's like, oh, I just want you to go on forever, you know, because those are the ones who live and they never die. <laughs> right. Unless, you know, author's only written one book. Um, there was, uh, I judge for Writer's Digest, and there was one book that totally blew me away with characterization. Um, the author used theme as well to build her characters. And uh -huh. so all the characters had like names that reflected her theme. Interesting. And she also had scenes that reflected the theme and word choices. And so just that entire story building along with creating the rich characters, um, yeah. it was just, it was so beautiful. Like, wow. I was just like, can you write another book like, like this? You know, <laughs> yeah. that's where, you know, more of the same but different, you know. Um, it's the characters. If you can yeah. consistently create those characters that are rich throughout each scene that you write or each chapter that you write of your book, your readers are going to come back every time. Yeah. That's awesome. I love it. Yeah. And it's definitely what keeps me reading. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, it keeps me reading. I mean, I'm, I, I read too. We have, you know, editors have to read more than regular more than, readers. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> you, know, you have to keep, you know, what's the best book out there and why does it work? Why doesn't it work? You know? Um, yeah. We have to have all that knowledge too. Um, so with, um, I was mentioning scenes. Um, so you have the great characterization. You have depth to your character's personality, um, dialogue and things. But with scenes, if you can create great scenes um, as well, that's also going to be really captivating for your readers. Um, one great thing, and we've all heard this, so I'm probably, you know, I don't want to bore you, but showing 
but don't, you know, by not telling. And you do this by adding conflict in every scene, um, no matter how small. I mean, you could be arguing, the characters could be arguing over the toothbrush (laughs) or how they roll the toothpaste tube. That type of, you know, that's small conflict in that particular scene. But if that, if that conflict propels later to an even larger conflict in a, a later scene, the reader's going to remember, oh, I need to remember this piece of conflict because that's going to be important. You know, they're looking for those little clues throughout yeah. the book. And you, as the writer, you build it from small to middle to big to really big. And then you have the big blow up and then you have, you know, um, they either make things right if it's a romance or, you know, the, the bad guy gets caught if it's a mystery or thriller um, or, you know, the, whatever gets solved. Um, just the histor- and historical is, um, you know, the it's more thematic sometimes. And the theme is realized through a, by the end. And the characters had that, you know, transformation. Um, so if you, you know, and with scenes, you know, you start each scene late enough, but, and you end it early enough to create that compelling read so that the reader's like, oh, what's, you know, they want it. You want the reader to turn the page. So Um, it's kind of like uh, cut out the boring bits. It is. Yes. And a lot of times it's hard for us to know, okay, what are the boring bits? Right. Please tell us what should we be cutting out, Tisha? Yes, you should be cutting out. Okay. You should be cutting out um, step-by-step character action. You know, if, if you've set up your, your house layout or your, you know, the beach scene or, you know, the shopping scene or wherever, the coffee scene, um, people kind of know what that place already looks like. So you don't have to describe, you know, the walls were red, you know, there was, you don't have to describe every single little thing. Yeah. Um, and... You don't have to describe every single character action. Like, you know, he walked down the sidewalk and turned right and walked two blocks and, you know, and realized he, you know, got sidetracked and had to turn around and walk back. Right. Sometimes that's over, that's considered overtelling. And the right. reader is like, no, no, just cut to the chase. Let's, let's get some action. You know, let's give me details that are really going to matter now, if he, if, 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 if that man, you know, walking down the sidewalk, if that's key to something later in the story, keep yeah. it. That's not insignificant. That's very significant. But a lot of times those, those step-by-step scenes, like the step-by-step actions can be, you can cut them out and your story is even richer. Yeah. Um, I remember when I was a new writer, I would write that somebody, you know, like somebody comes over and, and you're offering them coffee. And so the character walks from the living room to the kitchen, gets the coffee, puts it on a, you know, a tray and brings in the tray with the sugar and the whatever. But Mm -hmm. now I'm like, okay, he go gets her a cup cup of coffee. Unless he's going to put something in the coffee, then I follow him into the kitchen and show that he put something in the coffee. Yes, exactly. And for, I would say, you know, um, for, ad, for advanced writers, how you can develop your scenes is by adding more um, theme. Okay. 
Um, Tell us if, more. <laughs> okay. In, in theme, if you are, um, say your theme is forgiveness. Okay. Um, or brokenness or whatever. Let's, let's pick one. Um, okay. Brokenness. Okay. So this character is going to go through, you know, some emotional scenes. And at the end, their character is going to realize that, okay, everything's fine. You know, even though my life's been horrible, it's going to be fine. So what a writer would do is they would create each scene with maybe an element of like, uh, maybe if they're in the kitchen and the china cup breaks, that is showing theme. Okay. And it has, but it has to be natural. Right. So you can set up your scene to where, you know, they're, they're fumbling and they accidentally break the china cup or they're driving past a glass company. Okay. It gives that imagery of broken glass, whatever, so that by the end of your story, when you have the redemption quality or not, maybe the character chooses to throw everything away. And I've yeah. read books that happened like that. And I was a little disappointed because it wasn't set up correctly. Okay. Like I couldn't see, I didn't know the character was not going to choose to, yeah. to not fix their life. So I was just like, what? They had every chance, but you, the author didn't show me. And yeah. so had they showed me, I would have accepted. I would have had more of that. Oh my goodness. I need, you know, I need to make sure that I don't throw my life away because our lives are too important, you know? Um, right. So, I mean, you can do it positive or negative. It doesn't matter. Just as long as they've set it up correctly. So then part of it would be how the character is reacting to, mm -hmm. uh, reacting to the thematic elements, the broken glass or the jiving pass, yes. something that is or isn't broken and whether or not mm -hmm. they're reacting in a way that makes you think, oh, wow, they've got a lot of growing to do, but look, I think they're getting better or they've got a lot right. of growing to do and they seem to feel worse and worse about it. Like, wow, I wonder mm -hmm. if this guy is really going to just throw it all away and walk away. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Yes, okay. that's what I'm saying. And, you, and to have those scenes effective by your, your slipping in the thematic through, through your scenes, um, you can also enhance it through your dialogue. Okay. That's where the dialogue is really important and beefs up your scenes even more, which, you know, points back to your characters. It's all linked together. Um, and, Wonderful. you know, as I write, I write as well. And so these are things that I also have to work on because, you know, there's a difference between writing and editing. It's like using two sides of your brain. So yeah. as a writer, you know, I'm like, okay, this is what I'm working on. Um, and as, as an editor, I'm like, look, look, no, no, you need to you know, work on this because this is going to help you. Um, so the dialogue has to be as real as possible and um, bring in those thematic elements. Um, because you can, have a, you can have a sub character be really introspective and pick up every single little thing that the main character does because that sub character really knows that main character. Yeah. And so that sub character can say, well, okay. So, you know, your life isn't as broken as that China glass. Okay. Yeah. And so that is that, okay. That piece of dialogue is really important to the whole theme, important yeah. to the character. And if that main character who's struggling 
doesn't take that sub, you know, the friend, that friend's advice, then, mm-hmm. oh, I feel bad because that friend had some really good advice that propelled the plot forward. Right. You know, it's funny, um, you know that I've recently moved to Sweden and so I had to buy all new dishes and everything like that. I'm a huge Ikea fan and there's one about a mile away. And so I, everything, our entire uh, apartment is um, furnished by Ikea. Um, or as they say here, Ikea. <laughs> but um, I have this lovely set of everyday dishes that, let's see, we've been here two months. I do not know what is wrong with either me or the dishes or whatever. Um, and, and I have to say, after the number of years that I have, you know, used dishes, actual dishes since I was, what, five at least, right? I, I'm thinking, I don't think it's me. I, I have never seen more chips on the plates, the bowls, the cups, every single thing. And I'm thinking, oh, that is so interesting. I wonder if there's some place where I can bring uh, – a brokenness quality into, and now I'm thinking about it. Oh, my next book, because her husband dies before the book starts. But I'm thinking how interesting it would be to use an experience of my own. And I could have her like just so frustrated because yet another plate's chipped. It's not broken. You can't throw it away. And yet it's not perfect anymore. And then how do you feel about that? But what it really is, is how do you feel about your life? It's chipped. It's not broken. That, mm-hmm. that's really got me thinking now. This is interesting. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I, lo- I love that. And if you can bring that into your next book, that is, that is really great because there are so many times, you know, we, we, we are, we're not perfect. None of us. And there are lots of things in our lives that just appear broken. And it's like, okay, so what are we going to do with them? You know, how yeah. are we going to move forward? I really love that idea um, because you can totally bring that through and she can come down to the, to the part of, okay, you know, my husband's not, my husband's gone. So what am I going to do to replace, you know, I mean, you can't, you can't duct tape your dishes. I mean, that'd look really cheesy. Um, (laughs) Okay. But now I'm thinking of a character. I'm like, I got to have a character do that. Uh, You're going to get credit for like so many things to my next book. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, you might. Okay. Oh, so you might have a character duct tape the dishes to keep it. I might. I might have a bachelor duct tape the dishes. That, I mean, it totally fits in the small town okay. country area that they're in. <laughs> if it's a bachelor, then I could totally see that. Not to knock bachelors, but that was something that they would probably do. <laughs> <laughs> the right them. guy in the right situation, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. And, uh, yep, you could totally do that. Yeah, I like that idea. That's, that's great. It's just, and it's, honestly, it's, it's, it's just finding what works for you you know, what works for the story, because everyone's going to have, you know, they're going to, a lot of us be right about the same things, because there's only so many plots in the world. I think, what, is there like 20 or 30 plots in the world? But everyone has their own spin. Right. And if you can really dig into the, you know, the undertones and the motives behind things, and you can, um, you know, you can create a really rich story. Yeah. All right. And this is this is great. This is like giving me ideas. I hope it's giving the rest of the listeners some ideas. <laughs> and if and you know what? If if anything we've talked about today, just you know, if you have questions, you know, drop a comment down below. We would love to we would love to help you out. Cause you know, a lot of times conversing back and forth with ideas, 
really helps get those creative uses going. Exactly, exactly. And just a reminder, um, we'll have the, uh, the whole episode up as a YouTube video on my YouTube channel and also, you know, every place that you listen to podcasts. So um, uh, I guess if you listen to the podcast audio only, there isn't specifically a place that you can leave your comment unless you go right to my website, which is rightnowworkshop.com. Sorry, podcast.rightnowworkshop.com and then find our episode, which I think is going to be 97 or 98, somewhere in there. <laughs> I'll have already mentioned it when I do the intro <laughs> and count it out. Okay, so I think I interrupted you when we were talking about dialogue. So, um, so we want it to be not boring, but can mm-hmm. you give us uh, a tip or two on how to make it more interesting to readers? Okay, I'm trying to think a lot. Sometimes you can make your dialogue interesting by not making it predictable. Oh, Um, yeah. For instance, if a main character says, well, why would I want to go, you know, why would I want to go see that movie? You know, I'm a, I don't have the money. I'm really busy. Why are you telling me to do something that I don't want to do or that I don't have time to do. Well, yeah. that second, you know, the character that they're having the conversation with can reply with a question. Generally, as a reader, you would be thinking that they're going to reply with an answer. But right, right. Kind of, you're, you're kind of giving the reader a twist by giving a question like, well, why don't, why don't, well, why don't you, or why do you work so hard? secondary care is why do you work so hard and it may be a rhetorical question but the the main character is like oh I, I don't know it causes them to reflect yeah which then digs deeper into that character which then can if it fits with your plot or your end goal it can make your dialogue stronger your scene stronger and your character stronger so that's when having specific dialogue is really helpful. Um, The worst dialogue tells your reader what the characters have done or what they are doing or what they're, you know, what they will do. Okay. The best dialogue shows the characters engaged in the conflict, in the action, in the scene, and chances are the readers are going to be as well. All right. um, it's almost like good dialogue is almost like uh, eavesdropping. Ah, uh, yeah. Have you ever have you ever eavesdropped on a conversation that just started? I I have a tendency to remember the times when I've eavesdropped in the middle, where I'm like, "What in the heck are they talking yep. about?" That sometimes. Yeah, that's sometimes how your dialogue should be and how your scenes should be um, because you, you sit up and think, oh, what's going on? And it makes you want to listen harder. So it makes oh, the reader yeah. want to read more or be more engaged because they're like, well, what's going on? You know? Right. Oh, that's a good tip. I hadn't thought about dialogue in the same way as the, mm-hmm. as the, I mean, people talk about eavesdropping in order to create good dialogue, but I hadn't thought about starting it in the middle at the point where I'm like, what are those two people talking about? They just said something about, you know, aliens or 
Yep. You and know. it could be, and it couldn't be total aliens. It could be, you know, their bedspread at home has aliens on it or right. something like that. When right. we're thinking, oh my gosh, UFOs, what's going on? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and oh. isn't, as a writer, it's really hard to wrap our minds around that concept because we're so, some of us are so linear. We have to have a plan. We, you know, we're not off the cuff. And so when you're start, like when you're starting out, you know, you're fresh, starting a new manuscript or starting a new scene, write it all. Don't sit and think, oh, it has to be particular. Write it all out. And then we're talking about self-editing today. As you're self-editing, find the, the, the line that really jumps out at you as a reader and delete what's above. All right. Because that's kind of where, you know, wherever your action or your action, yeah, wherever your action starts, wherever <laughs> your interest starts, um, that's usually where your story should begin. Because a lot yeah. of times it starts, we start way too soon. And you, right. you I like to copy and paste what doesn't work in my story into a new document because I'm going to save the bits and pieces for later. I never destroy anything I've written because I know, you know, down the road, I'm going to use, you know, this word or this piece of dialogue or, you know, this, this uh, character action is going to fit in another part of yeah. whatever I'm writing. The first time that I decided to do that, I was struggling because I, I was almost positive that deleting this one, you know, whatever it was, paragraph section, two or three paragraphs, I was almost positive that deleting it was the right thing to do. But I was like, if I delete it and I don't have a saved copy, if I want to go back, like I'm kind of in a, in a hard place. Like I, I won't be able to write it as well, you know, if I'm like, oh no, I actually did need that. Or if it needs to just go someplace else. And so I was like, okay, you know what? I'm just going to, and I hadn't heard anybody say it before. So, you know, none of us live in a vacuum, but sometimes we will come up with all the same ideas. And so uh -huh. same thing. Yeah. I was like, I'm going to cut and paste this into another document and just save it as deleted bits. <laughs> and then just in case there's something that I deleted that I'm like, yeah, I shouldn't have deleted that. I can go back to it. And the fact is, is that probably one or two percent of what I've put into those documents ever gets looked at and used again. <laughs> but it makes you sometimes, feel better about editing. Yes, it does. And sometimes it's true you never use that again because the more experience you have, the more you realize, okay, that needed to just stay in that unused document file forever and ever. But there are other times, you know, if you get, you know, an inkling to look at it again, you can pull something from that. At least you have it and you're not like, oh my gosh, I've deleted it and I will never get it back. And how did I write this again? You know, how did I do, you know, you, you don't have to recreate it. It's already there. Um, yeah. You can tweak it. Um, there was a manuscript I edited last month and it was 150,000 words. Wow. About a badger. It was so cute. It was so cute. But um, I, I deleted a hundred pages. Wow. Because it, it didn't propel the plot forward. Just whatever pieces just didn't work. And, um, the author was so thrilled. Um, that, Thank no, goodness, really right? because, yeah, well, a, a good, a good editor is only going to help 
the writer make the story better. They're not deleting right. because, oh my gosh, this doesn't need to be in here. They're deleting to polish, to fine tune, to um, make your story better. Now, I have an editor because no writer should ever like fully, you know, final edit their story. You can self-edit, but then you send it off to an editor because they've got, you know, they're, they're not as close to the story as you are. Um, so my right. editor, I sent her the best scenes I think I've ever written. And yeah. she deleted half of my dialogue. I'm like, oh. what? What? Why? I loved that. But it was too long. It wasn't as effective. And so yeah. I, I appreciated her concern for saying, hey, this needs to snap. This needs to sing. Um, and so that's, you know, I was really appreciative of that. And um, that's what editors do. They, they cut things because it's good for your story. Um, Excellent. So, or they make suggestions like, hey, add this in here. This would be great. Or they say this would be great in another place. Just it doesn't work right here for your scene and yeah. what you want to accomplish in that scene. Excellent. Now, if I remember correctly, you uh, not only work for publishing companies, but you also have individual clients, right? I do. Yes. I've had individual clients for the last few years and I've had repeat clients. Um, I'm very blessed. I, I love, I love helping my clients and new, you know, new writers and self-published writers. I love helping them um, make their manuscript better because it's a team effort. We never, you know, the publishing industry isn't a, a one person, you know, it's a, it's a team. And I love being part of a team and saying, you know, Hey, let me help you take your manuscript to the next level. And, um, you know, editing is a gift to your story. It's a gift to you. It's a gift to your readers. Um, yeah. So I do, yeah, I do have private clients um, and I absolutely love working with them and, and they really enjoy working with me. So, Oh, that's <laughs> good. Yeah. Well, now our listeners are going to want to know, where can they find you? Um, they can find me at my website, tishamartin.com okay. and I have um, there's client testimonials on there of past clients that I've worked with um, my uh, service my services are on there I have a I blog every Friday so I offer I offer tips for writers and for editors um, so if you you know usually f tips for editing so um, and things for readers. I have giveaways usually, author interviews. Um, so I try to offer something to the whole of the, you know, editors, writers, and readers. Um, nice. So at tishamartin.com. And um, up until um, December 1st of this year, 2018, I am actually offering a discount for my content critique package. And that's kind of giving you the entire... Um, confidence of your manuscript and how, if it's on the right track, um, what, you know, your strengths, your weaknesses, um, all of that, and kind of every covers everything that we've discussed today. Um, I'm offering a 15% discount on that. Um, Excellent. And then if you've, if you have, if your manuscript has been professionally edited, I'm also offering a discount on the proofreading package. Um, 
but usually, you know, our, our manuscripts can always be, always be edited. So the content critique package usually is, is my top seller. Um, I just did a, I just did one a couple weeks ago and we had a conference call together, me and the author, and she was thrilled. Um, so that, and I love to hear that because I mean, I care about writing and I care about editing and I want the best, you know, I want the best for, for writers. So. Oh, that's yeah. great. That's wonderful. Okay. So all that information is at tishamartin.com. Yes. And, uh, on your website, does it let people know like what sorts of genres you work in or don't work in? Yes. Yes, I do. Yeah. Excellent. That'll be on my website. I do pretty much, um, fiction and nonfiction. Um, the only ones I won't really do are fantasy or science fiction. Not that I don't like them. Um, I just don't feel that I have enough expertise. So those okay. are probably the only two that I don't do, but most everything else um, I, it's, it's great. So, but I do, I do know editors who do science fiction and fantasy, if that is your genre. So, um, if you need someone plugged in, I can definitely, I know who to, I know who to go. I know Excellent. who to go. So great, great. Now you're also speaking at a conference that's coming up right away, right? Yes, I am. And, um, it's a breathe writers conference in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Go I'm Michigan! Michigan, yes, you're from Michigan, right? I am. <laughs> Wonderful. I love. I love Michigan. It is. It is great. Um, this conference um, is 175 dollars, so wow. two days, very affordable. Yeah, and it is the perfect balance between professionalism and friendships. Like I have made so many good friends there, and I'm excited oh. to go back. Um, I'm teaching two sessions on self-editing for beginning writers and self-editing for advanced writers. So talking about a lot of the things we talked about today, plus the psychological mysteries of self-editing um, <laughs> and for beginning writers, if you don't know what to do next, um, I can definitely point you in the right direction um, based on my over 200 books that I have edited or judged in the last two years. So wow. um, I know what works, so it doesn't work. Um, so, um, I mean, I don't know everything because we all learning, we all are at different learning stages, but um, I do know what works and what doesn't work. So I would love yeah. to see you there. Um, you can find that information on my website as well, but that um, website is breatheconference.com. Um, but okay. if you go to, if you go to my website, tishamartin.com, you'll be able to get straight to breathe because it's there. It's on my website. Excellent. And that is coming up in October? Yes. October 12 and 13. Okay. So registration is closing pretty soon. Um, but we would, we would love to have you. We would love to have you come. Excellent. Great. Tisha, this has been super helpful and interesting. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I, I could talk editing all day long.